Tokyo Travelers, and welcome to another episode of Tales of Tavat, a Genshin lore podcast. Last week, we talked about one of my favorite characters, Kaya Albridge, and why he has so many goddamn eye patches and so much trauma. This week, we're going to be talking about the Lawrence clan. Before we jump into it, I want to remind travelers to visit talesoftavat.com to see visual representations of the lore mentioned during today's podcast. Your guides have put them together for you to make things a little bit easier to understand. But now, let's go back to the Lawrence clan. Most of us know the Lawrence clan through a Eula, and probably a Eula only. Yeah. yeah, I would say that's the main reason I know who they are and how they're part of the aristocracy. So a lot of people don't know anything about the Lawrence clan outside of the fact that it's a Eula's family line. I'd like to take our travelers back to old Monset under the control of Decarabian, a horrible tyrant who kept his people locked into one place. Many of you might know that old Monset is now Storm Terror's lair. In old Monset, as many of you may know from the Venti storyline, Venti worked with his best friend and they led a rebellion up against Decarabian and they won. Alongside them fought the Gunhilder clan, Ragvinder clan, and the Lawrence clan. Those three families later went on to follow Barbados and start a new Mondstadt where we currently have our city. Does that all make sense so far? Yeah, that's how I understand old Mondstadt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. One thing I'm a little unclear on, and Feeny, I know you're nerdier about this than I am. I don't know... Um, Tiff and Al, how nerdy you are about this. But one thing I've never really looked too much into is Andreas and why he was causing all these blizzards outside of Old Mondstadt. Mm -hmm. Because as we know, I mean, there were at least two clans, the, the Gunhilder clan and one that we'll get to in a little while called the Immenlocker clan that were fleeing basically old Monsta and were caught in all of these horrible blizzards that were caused by Andreas. And I, I don't know why Andreas was doing that. Yeah, and the Umunlocker clan actually were descendants of Salvinier, which was a troop of people who lived up in Dragonspine prior to Durin falling on it. They kind of got wind that Durin was going to like die on that hill and they got out of there. Anyway, so my understanding with Andreas, and for those of you who don't know, Andreas is the wolf boss that we fight in Wolvendom in Mondstadt. He is actually the spirit of a god, Andreas. Andreas, from my understanding, just hates people. It seems that he's been burned by human and mankind way too much. After old Mondstadt gets taken down, him and Barbados, they're both offered the role of god of the wind. And Andreas turns it down specifically because he can't stand people. Okay, that's interesting. I'm with you, Andreas. I think that's one of the reasons why he encapsulated old Mondstadt in, in basically a blizzard wall. Because, like, didn't he technically declare war on Decarabian? He may have. I'm not 100% sure. I don't know too much about Andreas, probably because I don't know a lot about Razor. We gotta know more about our big daddy wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Wolf Daddy needs some love. Doesn't he have an episode coming up? Yeah, I, I do think he gets an episode later on. So we can we could just put a pin in that. Yeah, we'll um we'll be covering our Wolf Daddy in a future episode. Yeah. So we now have escaped Old Mondstadt. We have escaped Andreas the Snow. Venti has now grown up from a little wisp into Barbatos, the god of wind. And Barbatos, as well as Istaroth, are now both leading Mondstadt as gods. Istaroth is the time god, for those of you who don't know. So now you have the Lawrence clan, the Gunhilder clan, and the Ravinger clan, all following Barbados and Istaroth. They're living a good old life. Also, at that point, the Umunlocker clan comes to Mondstadt. That and they also start to worship Venti and Istaroth. At some point, the Umunlocker clan disappears. No one's really sure what happened to them, and there are really no known people in Mondstadt in that clan anymore. The Ragnander clan, the Gunhilder clan, and the Lawrence clan all rule Mondstadt together. So the Lawrence clan takes over somehow. They are horrible people. They actually start to enslave the Murata people, which includes Vanessa, who is a big hero for Mondstadt during the time of the aristocracy. Did you guys all read the manga by any chance? Yes, I did. I am a big fan of the manga. I read it a bit ago. I just remember Venti's outfit. <laughs> With his midriff. Because it is not <laughs> chef's kiss. When Mahoyo when, Mahoyo, I will drop whatever money if you give me a guaranteed Venti with it. 
Also, Venti has like a tattoo in that outfit and it glows and it's really freaking awesome. That makes sense. When you look at Zhongli's and Raiden's, um, like they're kind of like ethereal archon form. They all have that. Anyway, that's another time. But you know what's actually really interesting as just a very random mm-hmm. side note? With Venti, with D-Look, everybody loves their manga look. Kale is probably the only one that I think I've heard people really say that they like her transition better in the game than in the original manga. Mm-hmm. Manga Kale is a mummy in a coat, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or Kale. Kale in the manga is very like foreboding. She was in her cr- yeah very troubled but i think that's why we were so surprised when her her english speaking voice in the game was so high-pitched and cheerful <laughs> yeah because i feel like the kale we met was like someone you'd imagine like smoking a cigarette yeah she was very tortured cup of coffee in hand get off my lawn <laughs> very like ben affleck that meme where he's like outside smoking a cigarette <laughs> absolutely like life is pain <laughs> we'll get into the manga a little bit more in some future episodes but we're going to stick to the earlier part of the manga where you have the whole vanessa storyline for those of you who might not know who may need a refresher from the manga vanessa is the hero of monstat who eventually with the help of venti overthrows the lawrence clan and helps bring the gunhilder and ragnander clans back into power in monstat Before the manga even takes place, the Lawrence clan has become so horrible that they've actually removed the Barbados statue that has now been rebuilt and can be seen right outside of the church in Mondstadt. Vanessa is a Murata who is a slave and she kind of happens to run into Venti who has been woken up by his people's pleas for help. The people have been begging their god to come back and help them fight against the Lawrence clan and their dictatorship for the most part. So Venti kind of goes into town, sees the Harpastum festival happening, and I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong, and they see that they have totally taken it over. It's no longer a fun, innocent game. It's kind of gross and very suggestive in the manga. Oh, yeah. It's totally like she's about to get raped Oh, scenario. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. I guess it's like the son of the Lawrence clan leader is like, I'll take her and everyone knows what's going to happen to her when I take her back to my keep or whatever. Yeah, back to my place tonight. And then it's like, it cuts to Venti's face being like, what the hell? <laughs> Venti's like, I was asleep for 10 minutes. What happened? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Even though it was, what, hundreds of years? <laughs> yeah, like probably a thousand years. God, <laughs> Venti. Can I just ask one question in here? Just for our newer travelers. At this point, nobody's calling him Venti, right? He is just Barbados. Is that true? I believe so. From my understanding, he's starting to go by Venti because he is holding the human form and he introduces himself to Vanessa as Venti. Okay. In the manga, when he goes and like rescues her from jail, she gets arrested at one point. So maybe this is the first time he calls himself that. This would probably be after his friend has passed, right? Yes, this is many, many years after his friend has passed. Okay, I couldn't remember if that was like fairly recent. No, Mondstadt is very well established at this point. Now, do you think this is something that all of the Archons do, where they all just sort of go into hibernation every so often? Or is this was Venti just like, you know what, I'm just going to peace out for a while? Because that seems like it's in his nature. Definitely in his nature, but we also see it with A, because she's like all in her own realm of like eternity. Right. And just has a robot. I actually think that Venti, though, is a different breed of that. Venti truly believes that being forced to follow a god's rule does not actually actually allow people to be free and that's why he does his hibernation thing it's also probably a depression thing he basically sleeps away the pain until his people really need his help and d luke actually says something about that in the story trailer for tavat that we talked about in our very first episode what is freedom when answering to a god yeah that makes a lot of sense especially if he already had to free old monstat from a tyrant mm-hmm. like that would have instilled that sense of freedom in him i'm sure to see the people like needing to break free and having the courage to do that it sucks that it didn't work out <laughs> the first time i mean it's the human condition when we look at the lawrence clan they weren't bad to begin with right 
They had some like humanistic laws, you know, hubris, their pride. But like the longer you stay in power, the more corrupt you become. Mm-hmm. I think Venti, he understands, but doesn't fully get how quickly humans can become corrupt. Right. right. And basically become just like Decarabian. Basically, tyranny came right back. But, you know, it took a couple centuries, but there it was again. Yeah, and that does seem to be a central theme in the game with, you know, Conria and Celestia and people rebelling against gods. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense, especially having him be the first Archon that you meet. So Venti is supposed to be, if not the oldest god, one of the two oldest gods. No one really knows, but him or Zhongli are the oldest Archon. Do we think he's a Wisp? Yes. I, or no, it, it's proven that he's a Wisp, right? But do we think he's like a Seelie? Do we think he's that race? No. I'm not sure. I don't think so. Because I feel like when I see a Seelie, I think of Wisp. He doesn't really look like a Seelie in the cutscenes in the Venti story, you know, when we get to see him as like a little Wisp. But also, we don't know what the Seelies looked like originally. Yeah, he almost looks like a little butterfly light ball. The butterfly light ball, the Navi motherfucking fairies that we can create a, a wind gust yeah. and fly for like certain puzzles and stuff in, in Mondstadt. But I think Bees is on to something because what do we do with Seelies? We follow them. Yeah, but I think that this whole Seely moon court situation that cursed them and made the husks that we know today happened like 10,000 years prior. So I'm not sure if that's really possible. So you're thinking that he's just some other kind of creature that we haven't and we haven't met another one of those in the game yet i think it's similar to gooba goba however you say that uh zhongling's little like bear guy he's actually Gooba. originally a god mm-hmm. wait 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 wait, wait, wait. Gooba's a god? Gooba's a god! <laughs> the snow, the snow god. god. Oh my goodness his name is Gooba. Gooba. <laughs> i call him guoba I- guoba <laughs> what Gwo- this is not like Quadoba. Like, hold up. <laughs> I mean, but how delicious. <laughs> you know, he'd probably be very tasty. Like, not gonna lie. He eats. Oh my God. We'll give you a little heartburn, though. I'm like, mm. so wait. So, yes, a tip. Goba, Gooba. <laughs> Gooba. It was actually the stove god. And during the second lantern, right, I believe, which was an event going on when I first started playing the game. So it's a little light in my head. We basically follow them around trying to find information about the stove god. And we find out that it's him. We find out that he used to be much larger, bigger, stronger, more powerful. But over the years has lost power and therefore become tinier, which is spoiler warning for Sumeru, something that the Aranaras also suggests as a possibility that you can actually start out as like a completely different being who then changes over time as you lose memories. He's this the little stone statue guy with the tanuki in, in Azuma? No. Oh, I, yeah, I thought that was someone. But oh. he's similar though, because oh, okay. he's in stone and he's even smaller because there was a tanuki god, right? Yeah, and he's stuck in that stone. Like, that god is stuck, stuck. This is, like, a totally different god. In Leeway, it's very interesting. They talk a lot about different types of gods in places that we really don't... We don't really get to hear that anywhere else. We don't hear about that in Mondstadt or in in Inazuma as much. In Leeway, you hear all about Zhongli and the Yakshas and Guisong. You have a lot of information about the salt god and the stove god. And I think there's a few others thrown in there as well. So Leeway really gives you that output that there were... a ton of god going on and around back then this is really interesting because you can definitely relate it to like our actual historical aspects of like how different mythologies like of gods move around and change there's a lot of like different speculation that like there were multiple different gods that were influenced over the mediterranean and then of course became specific you know mythologies and the pantheons the egyptian pantheon the greek pantheon the roman pantheon um it's very interesting because they all continually change and kind of have epithets to them that's probably not the right word but (laughs) i can't think of the correct one at the moment but it's interesting we like 
as history goes on and as people forget the power of, of these gods basically become non-existent because like we think now oh the greek pantheon it's super fun to fantasize about i read percy jackson yeah like right. i love lore olympus like that shit's great and that's similar even in game with the fact that where gimel is the geo hypostasis those are actually spears that zhongli had thrown down and we forget that zhongli could do that mm -hmm. venti is said to have used his powers to literally chop the tops of mountains off because he didn't like the way they were shaped and rumored those tops made the archipelago that we see in the summer event. But I digress. And I'm going to backtrack now back to Venti as a little wisp. And, you know, Venti is no longer a wisp. He's taken on a human form. And he's helping Vanessa overthrow the Lawrence clan. Thank God. Yes, thank God. I mean, there was a lot going on there with this whole overthrow, in my opinion. It all started mostly with a slave trade. We have a historical significance of a slave trade that a certain archon, <laughs> Rex Lapis, actually participated in, which is very interesting. And like, I, I just love rebellion. Again, top tier, top tier storytelling. Any rebellion, I'm for it. So Vanessa is then swayed by Venti to stand up to the Lawrence clan. And eventually the Lawrence clan is mad about it and says, well, fine, you can try your best, but you're going to have to destroy Ursa the Drake first. And Vanessa and her people, including children and older people, are all thrown into basically the Colosseum, which I would like to say is the broken down Colosseum we see over by the Thousand Winds Tunnel nowadays in game, but I could be wrong, although I don't know where a Colosseum would otherwise be in Mondstadt. No, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right, because why the fuck is that thing there? Right? Isn't that always been a little weird to you guys? Yeah. Why are all these ruin guards here? And also the adventurers guild. It makes so much sense now that you say that. <laughs> So they're over at this Coliseum over on the cliffside and Vanessa and her people are forced to fight Ursa the Drake. Venti lends her his powers and Vanessa is able to overcome the Lawrence clan. In the aftermath of this rebellion, Vanessa basically partners up with the Gunhilder clan and the Ragnander clan who are pardoned even though they kind of let the Lawrence clan take over. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. I think there were some notes we had about that. But they basically are pardoned by Vanessa and they go on to create the Knights of Favonius together. And then Vanessa eventually ascends to Celestia and the Lawrence clan is punished for their actions. Over a thousand years later, we have current gameplay where the Lawrence clan is still very much hated in Mondstadt. In the Eula character, character teaser she actually talks about how no one will sit with her at the bar because of her heritage it's really sad honestly yeah and it reminded me of that recent event where she's at the bar getting drunk and no one's sitting with her and we're all kind of like where's amber <laughs> You mean the bartending event? Yeah, I hadn't seen that video before. So I was, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting sort of seeing the, the backstory of Mondstadt and how, you know, she is a descendant from this family that was so horrible that is just looked upon as trash in the city of what is now the city of freedom. I mean, it's, they're really like the antithesis of what that city stands for now. Absolutely. When you start out. So you can imagine what kind of comments she gets from the people around her. She also goes around swearing vengeance on everybody. So, I mean, some of it's her fault. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> it's a deflection. <laughs> it definitely feels like after a thousand years, you'd think this shit would die down. But I think at a point, like the Lawrence clan have become like, this is what we're known for. Mm -hmm. We don't want to fade in obscurity and like, you know, become common. You know, Al, you make a really good point too that the Lawrence clan is kind of soiling Mondstadt's reputation still to this day. And I find it very interesting that in Mondstadt, we have met people from Leeway, Fontaine, Inazuma. I believe we've even seen people from Sumeru there. We've seen Sino come from Sumeru to Mondstadt, but we never see anyone from Notlon. And I will say we never see anyone from Notlon anywhere in the game. But it's very interesting that the Lawrence clan enslaved the Marada, the people of Notlon, and now they're never in Mondstadt. <laughs> That's true. Oh. Except for possibly D. Luke. Now, can we talk about that for a second? We think that D. Luke is from the Marada? 
Or descended? Or descended. He could be, but they don't spell it out for us, I I don't think. Yeah, there's a lot of rumor that in the Venti storyline, when we get the cutscene of Venti the Wisp and his friend fighting the Rebellion, there is a red-headed guy in it that's very similar looking to Diluc and Krapus. And he is said to have been a Ragnander. And I forget exactly where they state that, but a lot of people say that they think he's also a Marauder, possibly. That's really interesting. That guy, Diluc and Krypus, all look very strikingly similar to Vanessa, which could be totally ironic in nature because this is an anime game. It is a manga. Unfortunately, characters with similar hair colors do tend to look alike. We don't have any other redheaded people in the game. Not like that, at least, you know? So a lot of people think that it must not be a coincidence. And it also would make sense that the Ragnander clan is kind of on the outskirts. And they might be trying to look for power. Maybe not Diluc, but Krapus was using a delusion. Why mm. was he doing that? Was he yeah. trying to be corrupt? Was he looking for power? What was his whole shtick with that too? Very true. It is though hard to say at the same time because, you know, Vanessa did rebel and get the Ravender clan's help at the same time. So the Ravender clan was already in Mondstadt. So what are the chances that, you know, they're letting people, they're letting their people be enslaved, but they're just continuing to kind of live their life in part of the aristocracy? So it is like a very questionable situation with them. And if Dilu could be Murata because of that. It would definitely really depend on the timeline that mm-hmm. this theory has. Because like you said, no one from Notlan is in Monset. And why would they want to be <laughs> with the history that they have with it? Like, it would, depending, unless, like, it's stated that, like, Diluc is part of someone who's descended from Vanessa in some way. If she, if some of her descendants did come back to Monset, like, it, it'd be interesting to see that. But would he still be a Marauder? I think he'd still be a Ravinder. Yeah, what you're saying too, Al, makes sense in the fact that he might not be Murata at all originally, but then Vanessa and the Ragnar clan kind of got it on and had a baby, and then eventually Dilu happened, which would make him half Murata and half Ragnar clan, right? That's kind of what you're getting at. Well, it wouldn't wouldn't even be half. He he wouldn't be anything of Murata because this is thousands of like a thousand years of like of happenings here. <laughs> That's a lot of baby making. I lo- Unless, like, it's a fairly recent of, like... Because we don't know Diluc's mother at all, do we? No. Mm-mm. And actually what it says specifically in the, the manga actually implies that the children of Murata, the Lady of Fire, are a hardy people blessed with a head of fiery red hair, but they are few in number and seldom seen in the north. So it seems like even back then there weren't very many of them. Yeah. I also think it's interesting that Venti specifically says fiery red hair because Diluc has very fiery red hair. Yeah. It does seem like he's hinting at something that we wouldn't know about. But at the same time, if they were so few and far in between, the Ragnander clan being in Mondstadt would mean there'd be a lot more Murata around, right? So I think that kind of cancels out the idea that he's somehow related to Vanessa and her people. Definitely not like a dead end, though. It's still possible. Yeah, I really hope they'll get more into the characters' parents. (laughs) I feel like we never know enough about the parents of each character. Yeah, the only nation we really get parent lore from is Inazuma. Yeah, only like specifically with uh, Yaka and Ayato's mom. Both their parents we get a lot of backstory with and also Kazuha's whole family. We know everything about Kazuha. Right. It's interesting because in Mondstadt, we have all this backstory about Jean and Barbara's family, but we really don't have any understanding of what's going on currently with their families. We just know that D. Luke is alone, basically. We have no idea what happened to his mother. We have no idea what happened to Jean's mother. Now, there's another thing that, remember, we talked about once, Feeney, where, you know, when Vanessa ascends to Celestia, mm-hmm. 
she then sort of comes back in the shape in the form of a, I guess a hawk or a falcon oh, yes. um, to look over the people so obviously we all know Diluc has that pet bird of prey <laughs> so that's sort of another connection of like is he somehow related to Vanessa yeah that's also true and it also could be that Vanessa remembers fighting possibly with the Ragnar clan and is kind of guiding him since he is very lonely little Diluc over there She's the one writing those messages with her little talons. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, not to sidetrack too far off from the Lawrence clan, but it's interesting with Diluc because in the recent Hidden Strife event, they actually talked a little bit about how Alice really wanted to look out for Diluc after his father passed and wrote a lot of letters to him being like, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I'll treat you as one of my own based on how he treated Klee. It seems like there's a lot of mother figures trying to come out of the woodwork for Diluc, but no mother, which is also interesting. You possibly have Alice. Lisa seems to try to play mom a little bit. And also possibly now Vanessa looking over him as a hawk. It's very strange. Lisa is just a mommy though. Like she's a hot <laughs> she's the (laughs) milfiest (laughs) there's also a part in the manga where vanessa's in her cell and it it seems like she's having a memory where she's looking up at celestia like the silhouette of celestia against the moon and there's a a man in like ancient looking garb who is seems to be explaining to her the lore of celestia and he's saying and so the great heroes will be chosen by the gods to dwell with them in celestia they will become immortal and protect the world with the gods and he's wearing this headpiece that is shaped like bird's head oh. so i thought that was interesting because that's another tie-in to falcon or a hawk so maybe that's just a part of the pyro archon storyline that we'll get to later but i also thought it was interesting that he says they will become immortal and protect the world with the gods so i'm assuming that means they become immortal once they ascend to Celestia, not once they get their vision, right? Right, because otherwise we would know Tomo would still be alive, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, true. <laughs> Everything goes back to Greek mythology for me at this point, in how when heroes of legends die in Greek mythology and Greek stories, they go and basically, they don't live on Olympus, but they live in kind of like an afterlife raised almost to the level of godhood. Okay. Or even like, think of Valhalla. They get to go and party with the gods and shit. It's an interesting aspect of it. Though wouldn't at the time, there already would have been a pyro archon, wouldn't there? Well, all the original archons besides Venti and Zhongli have died. That's right! Oh, okay. (laughs) That's right. That's where we run into a lot of weird inconsistencies in the game. And I I shouldn't say inconsistencies. That's where we run into a lot of like, hard stops in the game we're getting some of the manga backstory showing venti talking about the pyro archon and then that's not the pyro archon anymore we have makoto and a we have Pusalani right now. There's a lot going on where we're meeting the newer gods and we're learning about the newer gods. I know Venti specifically has a horrible line about the Pyro Archon currently. Calls her like a wretched warmonger, I think, which is a little frightening in case it is Vanessa, considering they used to be close and he used to care about her so much. So there's a lot of interesting thoughts around the fact that we don't know anything about these gods, that any of our backstory isn't really going to help us at all because those gods are mostly gone. Venti and Zhongli are really our storytellers here in the end. But I'm going to backtrack again back to Ayula and the Lawrence clan. In game, we have a lot of vengeance going on. We have Ayula and her uncle in her storyline tries to take down Mondstadt with the Fatui. Did you guys do that story? Yeah, I did. I remember being a little shocked by the end of it just because I was expecting some kind of redemption for him the whole time, you know, like... Mm -hmm. Where they were they were going to sort of wrap it up with a nice bow of like, well, you know, he's been going through, you know, this obvious financial hardship mm-hmm. with where he was staying and like, you know, you have to bring him his favorite food and blah, blah, blah. And I just thought they were going to end up tight, like making it more of like an emotional, like, I have to let go of, you know, our <laughs> aristocratic past and blah, blah, and move on with my life. But it was like, no, you're going to jail. <laughs> Literally, they're like, fuck you. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> 
I think, though, that also really reflects upon how everyone else in Monset looks at the Lawrence clan still. Yeah. Because I think if that had been anyone else, they may have given him a redemption arc. Probably. It's true, yeah. I mean, it feels... I don't know. Like, when we look at the uncle, his name is Schubert, by the way, which I feel like is a reference to the composer Schubert, Mm -hmm. if she be it. (laughs) But you gotta think of, like, how this guy has grown up. He has been villainized since he was born. Doesn't matter what happened a thousand years ago or what even happened 500 years ago. Even though we have people like Eula in the Lawrence clan, they will treat her like dog shit. So we can't really say, like, I feel bad for him that he is in this position because he he was he would never have been given that redemption arc because everyone in Mondstadt is like, the Lawrence clan is fucking evil and all this shit and there's no chance for them to get their revenge quote-unquote or show (laughs) them that they are changed that they are just regular people they're not aristocrats anymore yeah sure some of them have money some of them are dirt poor they're they're just human some of them have like really bad hubris or like insane greed and that's i mean we see that everywhere we see it in our own lives and all over the game with like i mean treasure hoarders for one beat the shit out of them almost every day and they keep coming back for more they really do they like it it really is unfortunately a situation that schubert could never win Mm. schubert could never have that moment eula can and the only reason why eula can is because amber likes her i think it's actually more than amber master varka is the one that let her into the knights after all yeah that's true Oh, yeah. And he did say that her fighting, like her combat skills are like on par with Jean's. Yes, Eula is second best swordsman in the Knights of Avonius right behind Yeah, that's right. That's why she's the Spindrift Knight. Also would like to say that Mark has got a lot of interesting characters he lets in. He's very open-minded compared to the rest of Mondstadt. I have a lot of questions about specifically like what clan is he possibly from? Because... We still have a lot of these clans going on. We have these families still around. And Varka, we only have a first name for. There's not a lot known about him. But he's very open-minded. He lets Eula into the knights. He's the one who finds Razor, names Razor, and brings Razor to Lisa to be trained. He also allows Albedo to join the Knights of Favonius. He allows Lisa to join the Knights of Favonius. He invites Kaya into the Knights of Favonius. He has the Outriders start in... um, the Knights of Favonius as well as an extension to them. Aren't there voice lines about him in some of for some of the characters? Yeah, but for the most part, they just talk about his character. Like, just that he's a good guy, you mean? Yeah, he's strong, he's great, this is what he's doing. Razor says, ah, I don't know that man, and then has the second line that's like, oh yes, that man, he named me. <laughs> <laughs> Razor is all of us. Yeah, Who's literally. That Varka person. <laughs> The one who just up and left and left Gene in charge. Yeah. Do we even know where he went? On a secret mission. Probably to Shaznaya. Possibly to Shaznaya. Possibly. I actually, I was reading this speculation that an area north of Monset is going to open up and it's actually a port of Monset. So there's a possibility that he might be at like the Monset extension center that we don't know about. Ooh. There's also a chance that he could be in the Sumerian desert. I don't know. There's a <laughs> lot of possibilities of where this man could be. He's like Waldo. Maybe he's uh, eating all that food with Kaya. Oh, I wish. God damn it. <laughs> all the food. And didn't he take a bunch of the knights with him? The entire cavalry. Yeah, so that's why they're so bare bones. <laughs> And at that point, Kaya was not the cavalry captain either. They didn't have a cavalry captain. I love it that so many of the characters that are left are like the head of something. <laughs> yeah, you know, I... Like like uh, Eula is the head of reconnaissance for the night. Right. Albedo is the head of the inspection team. Kaya is the cavalry captain. Lisa's just a librarian, but she was offered a lead position as like the leader of like the eighth something that she did not take up because she was like, I'm too lazy. She, (laughs) Yeah, that's very, Lisa would definitely be like, oh, cutie, I'm not doing that. 
<laughs> is Klee the uh the head of chaos basically oh always <laughs> the head of the solitary confinement yeah <laughs> a little terrorist but i i do think you make a good point though al that eula is the only character in the lawrence clan that's gonna get an opportunity for redemption from her family and in her character teaser they actually mentioned that she is the most talented member of the lawrence family to come out of them in like 500 years or something like that i think yeah i think it was a thousand because there's a, actually some kind of challenge that's passed down that they do and she was the one of the only ones to be able to do it in a thousand years when you look at the lawrence clan history there's a phrase that keeps coming up pride in bloody toes or something like that they've train themselves in the arts and in warfare in like everything they want to basically be genius level people like they expect their children to be prodigies which you know is probably way too high of an expectation for a child but probably one of the reasons why eula is such a great fighter such a great dancer such a great you know everything i really love that about eula because if you think about like growing up being sort of shunned by the rest of the society that you're living in besides your family i think it's a testament to the strength of her character that she had to sort of not just shun their ideas but like literally go work for the people that are sort are now keeping them at bay from having any kind of power and knowing that she's going to be hated by the you know the people of mondstadt while still fighting for the people of Mondstadt. And on top of that, she works her ass off to like be the best fighter of basically anyone. <laughs> I think it really helps that her training was not in Mondstadt, but in Liwei. Oh, really? Yeah. Can't remember where in her storyline or if it's in like um her ascension story, but she was in Liwei training and she was trained by an outrider. And we know Amber's grandfather is originally from Liwei and is an outrider. So there's heavy speculation and some evidence that points to Eula being trained by Amber's grandfather oh that's interesting because amber's grandfather's been mia mm -hmm. and that's a really unfortunate connection given that amber's her girlfriend they fell in love that long ago <laughs> yes <laughs> It seems like Eula, her mindset, it's very strange that she has like deferred from like the standard Lawrence mindset of we're already the villain, I'm gonna do what's good for me kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. But it makes sense when you think someone else has given her this philosophy and like it's a very similar philosophy to Amber. And at first I thought, oh, she's with Amber all the time. I want them to be girlfriends. Of course, it's this. It makes more sense that it would be Amber's grandfather, who instilled this type of mentality into her. Yeah, can Eula point him out? Because I got some things to talk to him about, like how he <laughs> flat left his granddaughter. Look, we don't know. Secrets, man. Secrets. It's a little fruits basket. Oh no, not fruits basket. I'm going to start crying just at the thought of the ending. <laughs> anyway, would like to kind of bring the conversation back to Amber and Eula. A few of us have just said that we think Amber and Eula are dating, or at least should be dating, or possibly married, who knows. I think for me, the first time I ever thought of that was during the Albedo storyline with Suspedo up on Dragonspine, where we're going out to help the Adventure Guild who is doing training on Dragonspine. And Eula is one of the trainers. She's helping them go out into Dragonspine and pair themselves for the wilderness of Dragonspine. And Amber says something about Eula, something about how, oh, she's just really misunderstood. She's really great once you get to know her. And that was my first instinct that maybe these two were like a cute little thing. Yeah. I think when Eula asked Amber to go take a dip in the hot spring, Ooh, it was like, uh oh, excuse yeah. me. And talked about it like it was a normal thing they did. Yeah. Like, are we ready for our bath now? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think we all were doing that quest messaging each other every time we got to it. We're like, wait, what? Is this yeah. that hot spring thing you were talking about? Are they, is this a, where are the hot springs, A? But B, where can I go find out more? <laughs> <laughs> During the storyline for Ayula, the only other person we find out is really nice to her is Sarah at Good Hunter. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, she serves us a meal. We have dinner with Ayula. That's and right. And she Eula. has, yeah, and she's she kind of has some insight via Amber, I guess. Yeah. And she says the same thing. She's like, eh, Ayula's vengeance is just her way of messing around. <laughs> 
And I thought that was a really interesting point. Even Sarah's like, yeah, when she says vengeance will be mine, she's just saying like, ha ha, thanks. Yeah, I know some people are put off by her vengeance mentions, Tiff. I'm just <laughs> saying, she's she she wants a lot of vengeance. Listen, can you blame her? <laughs> I know, she's like the one halfway decent Lawrence clan person. She wants vengeance on her family. She wants vengeance on everyone and wants to be an asshole to her. And Paimon. And how much vengeance has she got? Nothing. None. <laughs> she's all talk. Definitely all talk. I do like, though, there's at one point, oh, and I wish I could remember exactly, it might be a part of her story. Like, at the end, she makes a joke about it. She starts realizing, like, wait, I might say this a little bit. And she, like, <laughs> jokes with the Traveler about Benji. Yeah, she says that in uh, the teapot. Oh, okay. Like, if you get her friendship level up, she'll actually say that in, in your teapot as well. Oh, she's like, maybe I'm being a little extra today. <laughs> Never stop being extra, Eula. Never stop. Mm. She's also, along with her girlfriend Amber, is a mascot for Pizza Hut in China. Oh, yeah. Why not here? That's my question. You know why. You know why. <laughs> you know why. <laughs> you don't think that Eula's going to encourage people to go to Domino's in the U.S.? I think she might. I mean, I would go. Only Genshin players. Like, we would go. We would get Domino's. I fucking hate Domino's. They could do it for Pride Month. I would get Domino's here. Wait, I thought it was Pizza Hut. It, yeah, it's Pizza Hut. Oh, Pizza Hut. Whichever fucking one. I also <laughs> hate Pizza Hut. There's only one good pizza place, and that is Five Star Pizza. And if that ever goes out of business, I will die. I've never heard of Five Star Pizza. <laughs> I haven't either. <laughs> it's a local pizza place by me. I actually like Domino's, but I would totally go to Pizza Hut for Eula and Amber. I actually like Pizza Hut and I don't like Domino's. So I was very on board. I'm like, bring it here. Bring it to me. Imagine ordering a pizza and you open it and in pepperoni, it says vengeance. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a great fucking pizza. It's just like a giant V. And you're like, is this V for Vendetta? And then Eula bursts down your door and she's like, V for Vengeance! Vengeance! <laughs> then Amber delivers it in her wing glider. <laughs> oh my god, she glides and you're like, this is a fever dream, right? The fastest delivery around. They could deliver it with a drone that is like made up to look like Amber. Oh my god, it has her little like bow on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't she too busy with KFC though? Oh yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, there's also the KFC. There are so many collabs happening. Or is KFC is Noelle and D-Luke, actually. Oh, it's not Amber. Okay. And then recently, is it, was it Mercedes or a car company? I just... Cadillac. 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 Yes! Cosima and Beto. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Why aren't these things happening in the United States, man? Unfortunately our travelers here i don't think we're the majority player base that they're that they're hoping for which is sad because i would absolutely look if i could get my little prius like it already has the jean banner color if i could get dandelions on it and like a full jean on the side door like i would die i would love that shit the jean mobile yes please go to your local car detailer and ask them to do that i would love to know what they say I fucking will. Oh my god. <laughs> It'd be so much money, but I fucking would do it. When I was in college, there was someone at the school that had their car, which was, I believe it was a bug, a Volkswagen bug, and they had it done up with any kind of decoration you could imagine dedicated to Kathy Bates. What? It was to Kathy <laughs> oh Bates? And this person, I never saw her. I just... I only know it was uh, her because I overheard people talking about knowing her, but it was like, yeah, oh yeah, the girl with the the Bates mobile. (laughs) She was just Uh, Bates. So I mean, so good. If you can be that niche, why can't we have Genshin cars? You know, I see it. I see it. But Eula, (laughs) 
The last thing I kind of wanted to talk about with Eula is the glacial seal. So I, I don't know if all the travelers know and if you guys know, but every clan from Mondstadt has their own like seal. And the Lawrence clans is a glacial seal. And I think, Brandon, you were telling us off record that the glacial seal actually has some significance with Eula's fighting or one of her talents. Yeah, so it's called, it's her burst is called glacial illumination. And I guess it's incorporates the seal but the seal was like a sigil of the lawrence clan and it was like a symbol of their pride so i just thought it was really interesting that she seems to have co-opted it as a symbol of rebellion because she says in her character demo to sever ties with the legacy of tyranny so i love that she's sort of using it for a different purpose now and it's just something else that's really inherently queer about eula aside from also just having to grow up to like form her own own belief system and like reject her family's belief system i really get into like the just the queer storyline for her that we all have i just i i just think that's like a nice little illustration of that for her yeah and it's interesting too that her family has shunned her too when you talk to people in her storyline that are from the lawrence clan they're like Ugh, you and then people who aren't related to her say yeah. that too and then she's like i'm taking my uncle to jail <laughs> yeah she's like fuck these guys i don't even care you belong in jail sir yeah i wish i could have taken some of my uncles to jail <laughs> it really feels like eula is trying to call back to like the original lawrence clan the original ancestors because they originally did not live in old mondstadt they lived within the blizzard which is why their house sigil is like that glacial like ice is very symbolic to them they were living in that blizzard and they were prideful of being survivors of that that's a really good point yeah so all the other lawrence clan members are like we want to be aristocracy and she's like I'm back at what our ancestors originally were. Surviving. Badass motherfucker survivors, exactly. That's actually a really interesting point, Al. I didn't really think of that. I forgot that they were originally in the blizzard and that Gunhilder and Ravnender were the only two in the old Mondstadt area. Exactly. Very interesting. So I guess my last thought is what happens next? Well, so they're lesbians, Feeny. So let me explain this to you. First, they move in together <laughs> on, their second, on their second date. <laughs> then they get married. <laughs> when did they buy the Subaru? <laughs> oh, the Subaru was before they got their townhouse. Yeah. Come on. That's going to be their deal, That their next deal that they get after Pizza Hut. <laughs> Okay, well, after Eula and Amber move in together, what do you think is going to happen in general with these clans? I think they've given us almost too much backstory on them with a huge break up until now where they're going to have to bring that information back. It's going to be relevant for something. I actually had something to add about that because when I was looking more into the Immunlocker clan, like we know about the Lawrence clan, we know about we know a lot about the Gunhilder clan, which is clan that Jean and Babs descend from, right? We know a little bit about the Ragenvender clan because that's D-Loop father's ancestry line. Right. But the Immunlocker clan, when I was looking into that, you know, there was Old Dragonspine is where the Immunlocker character comes from. But when I looked into it, I was reading that that character was an Outlander. And I thought that was really interesting because according to Lord, you know, that character leaves to try to find help for the mountain after it becomes icy because it used to be more of like a paradise and they somehow end up in new Mondstadt and help found the city and become you know one of the 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 clans of that city so i thought that was really interesting though that they weren't originally from there and that they're actually calling that character an outlander without much more backstory to it yeah who the hell's this outlander we're an outlander yeah, that's what it made me think. I'm like, is that, could that have been somehow related to the traveler? I mean, I doubt it, but. Could it have been us? Could it have been Alice? Like all these people who are like mysterious freaking figures in the game that we have no context around, unfortunately. It was Senora. Oh, no, we know enough about Senora. <laughs> Senora doesn't come around until the cataclysm, you know, years later. Look, we don't know. We don't know. Nothing is confirmed. No, we don't know. Yeah, we do know. I'm confirming it now. Damn. Feeny <laughs> <laughs> puts her foot down. <laughs> <laughs>
I make all canon decisions. <laughs> my tinfoil hat. Let me put it back on. I kind of feel like there's going to be a another rebellion. I know that in some upcoming updates, we have rumor about a Mondstadt event. We have rumor that there's going to be another Dragon Spine event. I think we're going to see some crosshairs between Sumeru and Mondstadt. Now that we're getting Kale back into the game, she might come with us to Mondstadt. Maybe Sino will come with us. I hope the god that Tignari comes with us. Who knows, right? Is there a possibility that... We know that her uncle was working, trying to work with the Fatui to sell out Mondstadt. So who's to say there aren't other family members in the Lawrence clan that are moving along with that plan. So I could definitely Very see true. like the Lawrence clan coming back around to try to trade secrets for a return to aristocracy within Mondstadt, backed by the mm. Fatui. Does this mean we're going to get some vengeance from <laughs> Eula <Yeah. laughs> toward her family? I'm down! I'm ready! We're finally going to see the vengeance. That's a really interesting theory, Brandon, too, because if you go back to the start of the manga... It's basically Dodore and his little minion talking with Diluke, Kaya, and Seamus Pegg trying to convince them to let the Fatui recruit youngin for the Fatui in Mondstadt. And they're like, hell no. Then you fast forward to the Storm Terror event. And in Storm Terror, the Fatui has basically come over because they think the knights are incompetent in handling Storm Terror. And they say that they're going to leave as soon as the Storm Terror situation's been handled. But they're still there eating all of our food. Mm. <laughs> Hanging out over by uh, Sucrose's crafting table, gossiping about everybody. Oh my god. Yeah, they are. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one, an interesting thing for any of the travelers who are newer to the game. Definitely pay attention to those two little characters that are standing over by the waypoint in Mondstadt. Because depending on what you're doing in the story, they'll actually be talking about relevant items. Just a little thing. Although I will say, I'm in Sumeru currently. I just started like the quests and stuff over there. And they're still talking about the goddamn chasm. I'm a little offended. They're behind. <laughs> they didn't get any uh new intel yeah but can you guys catch up but are they like oh so uh did you know you can um, get to sumeru through the chasm <laughs> oh that's a good point i don't know they keep just talking about the chasm I'm like shut up i'm done with the chasm i'm in sumeru bring me to nyari man but no yeah i agree though i think this there's definitely some things in the works with possibly the fatui and the lawrence clan i could see the lawrence clan fighting with Eula. i could see her second storyline if she gets one being more family driven or more amber driven hopefully yeah i mean we would all love to see her be amber driven <laughs> i just want to throw in the possible love triangle that is a love happen. triangle oh come on like kale and amber got like some kind of a thing going here no th that's like amber's sister maybe I'm sure there will be ships everywhere if they're it's not already. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I like the idea of like Amber and Ayula adopting Kale. Yeah, I I like that. But I I can see some other people being like shipping them. I can see the ship. I mean Kale's what, maybe a year or two younger than Amber? I just want the drama. I just want drama. I want give it give like, it. I I want the Genshin soap opera. <laughs> yes, right now, give me General Hospital, but Genshin right now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, travelers, I think that is all the time we have today. Thank you for coming down the family lineage with us and taking a time trip back to the early days of Mondstadt. Please remember to give us a follow on Instagram, Tales of Devot Pod, or on Twitter, Tales of Devot, to keep up to date on all of our new episodes. Next week, we're going to be talking about the Abyss Order. If you don't know the Abyss Order, you better buckle in because it's going to be a very interesting episode. Otherwise, safe journeys, traveler. Bye, nerds.